0: Connecting to the big show.
1: In three, two, one.
0: I saw
2: a father saying goodbye to his child with a profound disability yesterday. It really is harrowing.
3: It's so important that people who have a large following are aware of the impact they can have in the messaging that they put out.
0: lack of communication to their customers is terrible. I'm embarrassed. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 818
1: 96 96
0: 96. Extra WhatsApp 83 396 96 96.
1: Email opinion at 96FM.ie.
0: The lines are live. Let's
1: kickstart the conversation.
0: This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
1: On Corks 96FM.
4: Very good morning to you. It has been many, many years since we woke to news of a member of the Irish Defence Forces having lost their lives while serving in Lebanon. Um, Joined live from the United States, where he's there to meet the United Nations Security Council by Minister for Defence and Foreign Affairs, Simon Coveney. Simon, good morning. I appreciate your time in taking our call.
5: Good morning, PJ. Uh, And um, uh, unfortunately, a, a very, very sad and tragic night for, uh, for a family of a, of a young man uh, a fantastic soldier serving as a peacekeeper uh, in Lebanon uh, like so many others have done since 1978 uh, and uh, unfortunately um, uh, we had a, an incident last night uh, where um, eight of our personnel were, were travelling in, in, in two, mar- two armoured vehicles yeah. to Beirut from the, from the main camp uh, and uh, the, the vehicles got separated, and one of them was surrounded by by a mob. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, um, uh, um, one of our one of our people was killed. Um, another has been very seriously injured, uh, and is in critical condition. Mm-hmm. And uh, two others have had minor injuries. They're in they're in hospital. They're being supported by our team there. Um, but it's um, it's very very tragic news, and I'm yeah. conscious that. Uh, that there are, you know, defence force families listening to this this morning, um, some of whom will have loved ones in UNIFIL um, serving their country, and indeed uh, serving as we have done for a very long time, uh, vulnerable communities in in southern Lebanon, and trying to keep them safe. Uh, and so, when an incident like this happens, it's um, it really is incredibly shocking and uh, uh, and tragic. I've, I, I've been to UNIFIL, UNIFIL many times. Yeah. Um, we we know it very well. You know we've been there for a long time. We've had over thirty thousand tours of duty to yeah. Southern Lebanon. Uh, our relationship with the local community there is strong. We have lots of different charity projects mm-hmm. that we work with community leaders on uh, to try to prevent things like this happening. Um, yeah. But peacekeeping can be dangerous, uh, and we've seen unfortunately the tragic consequences last night. And so now our, our focus is, is entirely uh, on supporting. Uh, the family and families uh, that are impacted uh, and, of course, getting a a serious investigation underway so
4: we can fully understand what happened. It's a road that runs from Beirut down to Nukura, which was the old UNIFIL headquarters. It's a frequently travelled road. I've travelled it myself, Minister, uh, when I I went over to see the work of of UNIFIL and uh, and our own battalion. uh, um, I know that the families you've spoken... Have you spoken to the affected families yet? I know the Chief of Staff has
0: well i mean
5: what what's happened was we um when something like this happens uh we we of course have to make sure that we we get news to the families from the defense forces first um so that they don't read about it on social media or on mainstream media and so uh, unfortunately in you know in the dead of night last night between three a m and five a m in the morning um a number of families got a, got a knock on the door, which is not what they were expecting, um, and um, and they uh, well one family in particular was given very tragic news, and um, so I'm I'm in New York actually ironically at the Security Council uh, today, and uh, I've already uh, spoken to the head of peacekeeping uh, in the UN, uh, and uh, I'll be back tomorrow morning and I'll be speaking to the family then.
4: Yeah, um, I know that the individuals involved, the misfortunate men who died, and the person who's critically ill, and we sincerely hope that they make a a full and swift recovery, and indeed their colleagues. We know. I know they haven't been formally identified as yet publicly. People will ask, Minister, because of the very, very strong local connection through Collins Barracks. Is there a Collins Barracks connection here, or can you tell me?
5: I can't tell you, I'm afraid, PJ. I mean, there are people from Cork in Unifil at the moment. Yes. Um, uh, but I, uh, you know, there are there were four names here that I that I obviously know but I we're not releasing those names okay. for now uh, okay. and that's because we want to support the families in in every way we can but okay.
4: you know those names will be will be released when it's appropriate okay. to do so and our, our thoughts will be with every family who's worried but the families directly connected have all been spoken to so at least they are yes they have they have been yeah I know I mean there's I mean there's no way I'd be speaking to you on the
5: on the national airwaves uh if the families hadn't been fully informed and spoken to and assured and can I just say to yeah. To anybody who's listening, uh, who has uh, who has a son or a daughter, uh, or a family member or a partner in Unifil, um, uh, you know, the you know all of our team are safe now. Um, this was a this was an incident um, that happened in a shocking and, and unexpected way. Um, but I, you know, I can assure you that the the, the security of all of our serving personnel is is um, is strong as we speak, and of course, the people who have been impacted by this incident are, are, are being supported in hospital uh, okay. uh,
4: by our uh, by our medical team. Simon, do we know who did this? Do was it was it one of the if you like the the the, the known combatants in that region, or was it random? Do we know?
5: Well, I mean, look, uh, you know I, I think we can certainly speculate on that, but I'd rather there to be a full investigation here so so we can talk with authority on what happened. Uh, I mean, what we know is you know i, look, I mean I've been to, uh, to to Southern Lebanon three times, I think in the last eighteen months. Um, I've been on this road a number of times. Um, this is a fairly standard trip. you know um, What was actually happening was that um, the two people were being allowed to come home on compassionate grounds. Actually, for a family funeral, Um, and um, uh, and they were being accompanied, obviously, by others uh, in terms of security. But you know, this is a this is a fairly standard run to Beirut. It normally takes about two and a half hours or so. Um,
4: It's a a uh, commute, really, Simon, isn't it? It's a commute.
5: Yeah, but I mean, I mean, this is a this is an area that can be dangerous. Of course, I mean, there wouldn't be as many peacekeepers as there are in the region uh, if there weren't issues there. Um, and uh, we know that there are some parts of of southern Lebanon that are difficult for for UNIFIL to patrol. Uh, and sometimes, what's in military terms called uh, a denial of freedom of movement happens. Effectively, what that means is that unifil vehicle is blocked by 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 a local gang or local communities and prevented from traveling into a certain area that does happen every now and again yeah. it's normally very well managed um our people are very well trained to deal with those kind of incidents um but unfortunately last night it was um it was a much more hostile interaction um, and uh, shots were fired and unfortunately a young Irish soldier was killed um and and another is in very critical condition as, as I speak to you. So, um, um, so, I, I mean, you know, our soldiers do train for these kind of instances, oh, yeah. but, um, but, um, uh, peacekeeping can be dangerous. Um, uh, we haven't, had a, a fatality for more than 20 years in uniform. In fact,
4: we haven't uh, any, uh, on any of our peacekeeping missions. Uh, I was trying to figure century. that out this morning, actually. I was looking through the records, and this young man, this misfortunate young man, is the 47th Irish soldier to to yeah. die in Lebanon. But it's been many years.
5: Yeah, it's been many years.
4: I mean, you have to go back to the year two thousand, uh, um, where there was
5: an unfortunately a fatality linked to an accident, and yes. then nineteen ninety nine for the one before that. So, so you know, UNIFIL in southern Lebanon has been w- relatively calm by its standards, um, uh, and of course, Irish troops have contributed to that in a major way. The whole yeah. point of having um our largest troop contingent you know there's there's um 333 334 people uh, in unifel in unifel in the 121st infantry battalion um i, I met that uh, that um that that cohort uh, before they traveled out uh, in a troop review uh, they were excited um looking forward to um uh to to serving ireland uh, and and the un and the irony of this of course is that they're their training, their sacrifice, their commitment, is about protecting vulnerable people in southern Lebanon. Um, and uh, as they've been doing for many years, um, uh, this is the you know there's more there's been more than thirty thousand tours of duty to southern Lebanon. Um, uh, and um, so you know this is this is the last thing a family ever wants to hear. Um, uh, and uh, but the defence family broadly is strong; its tightness. Uh, and we will put, um, we'll put all the resources we can into into supporting the yeah. families concerned now.
4: I'm reminded, uh, lastly, Simon, of a, a man I met one time when I was over on a visit. I met him in Nakura, a man called Timor Goskill, whom I'm sure you may have heard of, maybe even yeah. have met him. And Mr. Goskill said to me at the time, he said, your people are the best in the world for what they do.
5: Well, I think they are. Uh, I mean, you know, Ireland is really good at peacekeeping, um, mm. and that's why we're in demand in, in some of the most hostile and challenging environments in the world. Um, you know, we train and we equip our defence forces specifically for peacekeeping to prevent wars, to prevent conflict, to protect civilians. Um, in many ways, they're ambassadors as well as soldiers abroad, um, and and that is why. Uh, for Irish personnel to have got been caught up in, in an incident like this is is very unusual. Yes, um, and it's and it's it's a shocking loss yeah. of life, uh, uh, and that's why we need a very comprehensive uh, review to fully understand what happened here uh, in terms of the investigation. And there will be an investigation that we will stand up now. Uh, there will be a defence board of inquiry set up for this, um, and the UN will also have their own inquiry. But you know, today really is about. Supporting a family that has that that has lost a son, uh, right. and uh, and that's where the focus will be for today. But uh, but we will, I absolutely assure you, get to the bottom of what happened here. Right. Um, um, but uh,
4: but as I say, for today, it's about supporting a grieving family. Indeed indeed it is indeed it is, Uh, we're thinking of that family, wherever they may be we don't know just yet whoever they may be Minister Coveney knows of course. Simon I'm grateful for your time once again, thank you for being with us live from uh, New York Um, Yeah I will, I'll do the break first, I'll talk to to Shelley next Uh, I've been on that road, I travelled that road in I think it was around 1999 maybe, I went over to Lebanon to do a documentary for for the radio and that road that goes from Ber- from Beirut down to to Tibnin, we were travelling that night on arrival and the, the we were in an armoured car or a military bus or whatever it was the military bus it was at the time and we had to pull in um, unexpectedly and the man who was in front of the bus turned around and said it's ok guys we need to take shelter for a few minutes everything will be fine everything will be absolutely fine but we need to take shelter. so a bunch of journalists in the back of a bus very scared for a few minutes so then these extremely competent soldiers just said everything's grand we can move on now that was the routine back then so yeah I'll go to Shelley next 0818
1: We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM Christmas with your local mace, making your Christmas extra special with festive offers.
6: Santa, baby.
0: For non-stop Christmas hits. Non-stop Christmas hits. My Christmas present for you. Listen to Cork's 96 Miss streaming online now. With Blackpool gift
1: cards. They're the best with so much choice for all the family. Pure shopping. Pure Christmas. Pure Blackpool.
0: Download our app or see 96fm.ie Shelley Cotter is a member of WPDF
4: Wives and Partners of the Defence Forces. The DF, Shelley, it is one big family. It's it's uh, it's it's a bereaved family this morning and a grieving family morning
7: good morning p j it's 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 a family that's broken hearted i'll be honest um this morning has just been every single family's worst nightmare yes but as the minister actually very eloquently said is we are so well trained this we know it's an active zone As families, we know it's an active zone. Um, We never take lightly the fact that our family members are over there, are doing it to, you know, keep peace and try and save other families. Um, But there are absolutely devastated families this morning, and our hearts go to them, and also to any family that's affected by this, because... As we are a large family, this will be outreaching, affecting a lot of people. So, PJ, I I would just like to put out that any Cork family that are listening that have been affected by this, um, that know someone, have fears, um, you need to contact your PSS officer in Collins' barracks. Now, these are well-trained, amazing men and women, and their job is to support you is to help you process this news, help you allay fears and guide you through these times. Now, it's not just for our serving PJ, they're also there to help families. And for anybody listening that is, is affected by this, by you reaching out and looking for help, you can help your serving family members process this too and be a support for them. We're all in this connected and we all need to support and help each other.
4: Minister wasn't able to, he knows obviously, but he wasn't yes. able to tell me at this no. point in time whether or not there is a, a Collins Barracks connection and we know that all of the families will have been contacted. Anybody who was part of that convoy, their, their family will have been, will have been contacted. So, but, but, but Shelley people will still quite naturally worry until we know for sure.
7: We have Cork members serving yeah. as we speak. Um, both Naval Service and Collins' Barracks. Um, these men and women are amazing and this certainly wouldn't be, for a lot of them, even their first tour. Yeah. Um, so yes, there are Cork families affected this morning um, and for those, all we can do is love and support them. Yeah. Um, and PSS will help guide them through what is it an absolute horrible nightmare,
4: yeah. and if you are a family that needs advice and needs help right now then you'll have the number will you of your p s have
7: I'll, I'll pass it to ye now after I, I I got the phone call I didn't have any information in front of me, okay, but I will shall... pass it on to Emer as soon as we're finished okay. here
4: okay, and we can pass it on to anybody who Correct. needs it at the moment. our thoughts specifically with the family of the the young chap who who is dead but also that other young man who is in critical condition. I believe, according to the Chief of Staff who gave an interview there about 10 to 9 on national radio, he has been he he is surrounded now by by security the other the body of the dead man has been, will be repatriated as quickly as possible and all of the other colleagues are now moved to another hospital which is controlled I believe by the UN. It's just protocol, that's how it works but everybody is 100% safe now
7: uh, yes, yes. No. So we have, sadly, a member who will be repatriated back to his family. We have a serving member who has overnight had surgery. Mm-hmm. And we have two serving members who were also injured. Yes. Um, gratefully, they will be able to return to their families. Okay. Um, they are safe. Camp Shamrock is safe. Yes. But we also must always remember that our men and women are serving in a hot zone, a war zone, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. an active zone. But truthfully, we are amazing. And this is not lip service. This is not, I'm saying, um, because of the crisis that's happening at the moment. We are so well-trained. It is phenomenal. We are applauded worldwide because of our professionalism and because of our dedication. Um, And PJ... Those men and women were there to do it, to save others. And as awful as this news is, and it's something that we all dread, there is no military family ever wants to hear any of this news. No. No. It is something that our men and women voluntarily do to serve, to save others. And I would love the people of Cork and in Ireland to realise that that is what, day in, day out, our family members do. Indeed.
4: Indeed. And as I said, I quoted him to the minister earlier on. Um, I met him when I was there, a man called Timo Goskell, who is, uh, at the time anyway, was a political and historical advisor to the United Nations on the region. And he said to me, your people are the best at what they do.
7: It's not lip service there. They yeah. truly, truly are. And when it comes to peacekeeping, when it comes to support... We are lauded and applauded, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. So, we don't ever say lightly when we ask people to thank military for their service, because this is what we're speaking about. This is is a risk. Our naval personnel board all day, all night in weathers you and I cannot comprehend. Mm -hmm. Our army personnel and naval and air corps serve in hot zones that we can't even understand. Mm-hmm. day and day and they come home the vast, vast, vast majority come home but sadly last night this brought it home that this isn't always the case
4: yes, I know. Shelley, thank you very much and once again our thoughts with, with every member of the, the military family in Cork uh, this morning, one young man dead, uh, another young man critically ill uh, had surgery overnight, two other people injured, they're stable and well we do not know yet whether there's a direct connection to Collins Barracks, but but we can but Shelley said for anybody who has a member of the Defence Forces or the Navy serving in that region at the moment the Army or the Navy serving in that region at the moment, uh, there's a PSS who will assist and help as much as you need it Thank you Shelley, it's such a, such a sad, such a sad, sad morning. Uh, to give you an idea of how good our people are when I met them when I was out there a number of years ago um, I did meet one young chap young man, he was only in his late 20s, It was he loved being out there so he kept volunteering out there he'd been out there several times, he actually spoke both Hebrew and Arabic at that point to a huge level of fluency and I asked him why, he said first of all you have a lot of time to spend to learn out here but secondly it makes you do your job better you do your job better if you speak the language, that's how good we are 0818 96 96 96. people thinking of the family such a tragic time one of the best in the world, in high demand does their pay reflect that that's a whole discussion of its own. The simple answer is no.
0: The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM.
1: The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to Diary at 96FM.ie. The Cork Diary. With CorkSimon.ie. No one wants their child to grow up to be homeless on Christmas Day.
0: On Cork. 96
4: FM. Uh, during the week, we were talking very much here about homelessness and the people out in this freezing cold weather, particularly the ones for whom there is no bed. Uh, yesterday morning, chatting with Paul Sheehan of Simon, who said, Look, we've got a space for you. Nobody will be turned away if they come to our door looking to get in and get warm and get something to eat. Nobody will be turned away, but they're sleeping under the stairs and they're sleeping next to radiators and they're sleeping on couches and sleeping on the floor. Paul Sheehan has been working for Cork Simon for the since the early part of the noughties and says he's never seen the place so crowded. And then there are those who are out who who don't come in for whatever reasons of their own. But imagine seeing someone in the street living rough who you know. Imagine what that's like. Can't imagine what it's like, Coley. It happened to you. Was was it this week morning?
8: Hi, PJ. How are you getting on? Um, yeah, it actually um, it was yesterday. It was yesterday, no, it was the day before yesterday. Um, myself and a family member out shopping in Patrick Street, and I just happened to come across somebody that I that I recognised from years ago. Okay. Um. And that's that's how I saw him.
4: Did you go up to him?
8: I did, I did. I tell you, I, I kind of, when I saw him first, I got a bit of a fright because, you know, as I said, you see people every day and they're at, under, you know, doorways and they're trying to get in as anywhere as they can that's warm and you always pass somebody and you'll always see somebody but when it's somebody that you know, then it kind of hits you. Like as I said, it hits you in a different light. Um, so I did go up to him and I was speaking to him for a few moments and it just broke my heart, AJ. It just broke my heart.
4: Yeah. Did you did he tell you anything about his situation, how he came to be there?
8: He said that he um his both of his parents had passed away and that he had you no know, communication with his kind of um extended family. Uh so he had nobody really. He had no um he had no family to kinda of turn to. Um for whatever circumstances he didn't he didn't say why he wasn't in contact with the other family member, but from what I got from him he just said that he had no family. So um that's why he was out in the streets because once his parents passed away he I suppose he was struggling and he had nowhere else to kinda of turn to.
4: Twenty six years old.
8: Yeah, twenty six years old. And I had gone to school with this boy previously, so you know, I always seen him one of my really good friends growing up and just all was there for everybody all was looked after everybody, made sure everyone was happy, just a very, very happy soul mm. and they were just absolutely broken, just broken and a tiny piece of cardboard sitting there absolutely helpless
4: Did he have anywhere to go at night?
8: He told me that he um, gave up his bed due to um, you know, I suppose drugs and um, fighting and things like that. He just said it was too rough and he gave up his bed that he'd rather sleep on the side of the street, knowing that he was safe, that, you know, nobody was going to come up to him or whatever the circumstances are inside, you know, the places that they do offer beds for, but that's what he said to me. He gave up his bed because he would rather feel like he was able to be out on his own instead of, you know, possibly getting hurt.
4: So on these freezing nights... He feels safer.
8: That's what he said to me, yeah. My
4: God. We're you know, just...
8: I, I just I gave him a hug and I just, and I've never felt a hug like this. It was just, it was unbearable to even feel, like I just felt his pain when he hugged me. He squeezed me so tight and I suppose I just, for a couple of moments, I just kind of, you know, I just took a deep breath and I just said, is this what it is? You know, is this what, is this what people's lives have come to now? Yeah.
4: Must have been so hard for you to sit down at home last night and think of him.
8: Oh, it was. You know, I came home to my children and my husband and my happy family, and you know, I was I was only just out was my family member, and we had done a bit of shopping and we went to Scoozies for something to eat, and we were happy. And you know, when I saw him, I just I I I couldn't um, I couldn't get my bearings after that. You know, I came home and I was just very kind of quiet in myself, and I didn't really know how to to deal with it. You know, feel you know, like I took my children and my time and they're warm and they're safe and knowing that somebody's somebody's brother or somebody's sister somebody's child you know parents they're out there on the street and that's their only option is to sleep in a doorway or you know in, in on a footpath it's just it's just, unbreak- it's just heartbreaking like Some, you heartbreak, somebody so. you went
0: to school with
8: somebody I went to school with yeah yeah and he was always <laughs> so happy like just always at my back and was was never never kind of uh, in trouble or anything like that does,
4: does he have help, is he going to see Katrina at penny dinners? Is he getting fed?
8: I asked him, I said, do you want me to go and get you something to eat? And he said, no, no, no. He said, I'm, I'm good, I'm after eating. So like, he had just the jacket. He had nothing with him. Oh my God. So when I did come back, I said, you know what, Now I, I came back, my family member, and I said, like I said, I'd come back and see if he was still safe and if he was okay and if there was anything I could do or anyone I could ring. And at that point, I kind of didn't know what to do. When I came back, he had gone. Okay.
4: When he saw you, how did you react when he saw you?
8: his face dropped. he didn't say anything for a couple of seconds. He looked up like he he was he was talking to my family member for a couple of seconds, his head was down, and then you know when i when I kind of looked at him and he looked at me, he just he didn't say nothing, and I didn't say nothing for a few seconds. It was just kind of we just looked at each other. you know it was just it was at that point like when I hugged him at that point, I walked away and i just I, I couldn't help but cry. It just broke no. something inside of me. Yeah. You no, know, like I was out doing shopping, and I was worrying about getting presents for people and trying to make you know, mm. like Christmas the best thing ever. And in hindsight, like you know, none of that really matters, does it? You know, when there you do see people, as I said, on the side of the road and sleeping rough every day. Every day you walk down past streets, there there is bodies there. You know, like yeah. it's, it's it's something that you can't miss.
4: We, we walk, we walk someone. past them. We might nod at them. We might, you know, if we can help them, we might help them. But but, but they're strangers. They're, that's they're, that's this isn't a stranger. You
8: no, know, far from it, far from it. You know, like I, I got on Messenger straight away and like he said, I'll give you a text, I'll give you a text. And like, like I went on Messenger and I left him a message, but he hadn't been active in quite a while. So like I have no other way of contacting him. But just I can't get him off my mind, you know. know. Like, it's you didn't, you didn't get case.
4: a number, a phone number off him, no?
8: No. Okay. No. But, like, I'm sure I'll bump into him again, so I've, um, I'm going to go up there now one of the days with my family member and just see if I can find him and even bring him up some, you know, warm clothes and warm jacket or whatever I can do. Yeah. I have a big support network. I have a big family, so, you know, if I can get what I can off them, I'll bring him up whatever I can. Yeah,
4: yeah. And, and maybe... What might be a good thing to do maybe contact Katrina and discreetly give Katrina his name.
8: That's it, yeah.
4: You know, and she then what would happen then is that one of herself or one of her people would go out and call him directly by name.
8: Okay. And just okay. say,
4: you know, Coley sent us. Make sure you're yeah. okay.
8: Yeah, I they'll, think so.
4: They'll, they'll do I that, mean, you know.
8: They'll do I that. I had um I had previously she used to be about I think maybe eight or nine years ago, I lost a family member outside Simon's um, so this really hit home for me you know, it really did hit home for oh me my. and I just, I think it just uh, you know, a part of, part of me just wanted to do everything I possibly could to help them and then on the other hand it's just it's near yeah. impossible then, you know when you have your family at home and
4: You, you, you know, knew and someone sort of previously stuff. who died, did you?
8: I did, yeah, yeah, I had a family member passed away outside Simon Oh my God, the Lyman, yeah. when was that? That would have been about 8 years ago now I'd say seven or eight years ago. Oh, God. Yeah, so, like, I always try to do my best, you know, I, I donate every month to Simon. Um, my mum has been involved in charity work all of her life. Like, we've always tried to done our bit on our side, but, you know, I think more people need to kind of get together. As I said yesterday, I heard, you know, um that the facility should be open during the day and this is where people can go to and I know they're saying a library and things like that, but there really should be a facility for for kind of younger youth for for the younger adults that they can go to and they can feel safe yeah. and you know, maybe get them back on the straight and narrow again or, you know, help them to get accommodation. Now, I know there is facilities and there's 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 organizations out there that do help people in this situation but like there's just not enough help out there for the amount of people that mm.
4: There's, there's too many of them out there to begin yeah. with. And then you have Paul, who, who I know since, since the 80s from another life, but working with Simon since 2005, Paul Sheehan saying yeah. he has never in all his time seen the services under so much pressure.
8: Oh, I could only imagine. I could only imagine. Do you know, mm-hmm. it's like you go outside and you feel the cold. You feel the, the crisp like on your skin. <laughs> And just knowing that somebody's sitting down on a tiny piece of cardboard with just a jack down the back, no family, no friends, you know, like living every day, just another day, just to get past another day. And especially the harsh conditions that we have at the moment.
4: Oh, Lord. It's, it's, it
8: like is, that. It is. It just pulls at your heartstrings, you know, it really just, it just I don't know, it just, it's, just, it's just, it's unbreakable to you. It's, it's heartbreaking, like, it really, really is.
4: It's, and and there seems to be no end to it. No one seems to have an answer, do they, Coley?
8: You no, know, you know, like I know people are trying to help and I know people, the volunteers are fantastic and, you know, like Cork is a great place, you know, for, for people to, they're very friendly and very welcoming. But like, as I said, you know, these people are on the streets a long time. Like this boy in particular, he's on the streets now, you know, nearly a year. And like, just it's just, life is just every day, just trying to survive one day at a time.
4: Here's what I suggest you do, Coley, and we'll give you her number if you don't have it. Um, contact Katrina. Give I her, give her his name. Yeah. And, and she or one of her team will look out for him and make sure that he has hot food and make sure that he's got a blanket, a jacket, something, yeah. something.
8: I will engage.
4: Alright, look after yourself I know it, it must be very hard to to sit and even just sit down and be warm having seen your old school friend out like that I can't imagine what it would feel like
8: Oh, it's just, there's no words yeah. As I said, you know, like I tuck my children to bed every night and I, I wish them, like, you know, all the best for life and that's all I ever want as a parent is to do the best I can for my child and yeah. just knowing that my friends, one of my friends is just sitting out there in the cold, just helpless it's like what's
4: life really for him You know. yeah Coley thank you for your call and for that story Uh, cheers I'll put her back on to you there guys just check that she has Katrina's number and maybe we can make sure that this chap that she was in school with they were friends he was always a great they were great pals growing up imagine that can you imagine what that's like walking down I can't for sure walking down Patrick Street or any other street and they're there You see them in the morning, summer, winter, you'll always see them. And then you recognise a face and you look a bit closer and you go, oh God, look who that is. Look who that is. And it's your old school friend. That'd knock you for six, wouldn't it? There but for the grace of God, go I, says anyone on the phone, uh, or says someone on the phone, and there's many people who just leave the house beautifully dressed, all cheerful and they're one step away from it. Yes, there's an old statistic a very, it's been around for a very long time none of us none of us are more than three paychecks away from that. Which is a terrifying thing to think. None of us are more than three paychecks away. Speaking of the penny dinners and the kindness towards them. Do you remember the other day I was talking to Kevin and Kevin started a great conversation on the opinion line about prepay power and the increasing cost of it and his own observations. He sent us screenshots and we had a good chinwag, the two of us, about the cost of electricity and I said because he started that conversation and we had a great program out of it, I I said to Kevin, we'd give him the the super value Christmas vouchers that we have. We have one every day for 50 quid. We said to Kevin, we'd give him the super value, 50 quid Christmas voucher. And Kevin turned around straight away and said, no, give it to Penny Dinners. Give it to Penny Dinners. So we did. And Katrina just wanted us to thank Kevin for that. A kind and decent man. The kind of listeners we love to have. Applause is coming to town on Cork's 96FM. Those songs and many more like them playing round the clock at the moment on Cork's 96, on the Cork's 96 FM app or on the website. I'll be back myself on Saturday afternoon from 2 till 6. If there's any message you want to pass on to me, for Corks 96 must be at an event, a charity gathering, a concert, anything at all that's happening or that you're involved in for Christmas. Try and get it into me before tomorrow lunchtime. Pop it into pj at 96 ofmie and leave the rest to me. And then on Christmas morning, I'll be over on Corks 96 must between seven and 10. And on that morning, I want to hear from people who are working, who are away, who for some reason won't have an opportunity to get home on Christmas Day, all the people for whom Christmas Day is a normal working day. And I don't want to go through a list here because I leave somebody out, but you're looking at doctors, nurses, guards, firefighters, soldiers, and that's just the tip of the iceberg of people for whom Christmas Day is a normal day so if you will be working or know someone who'll be working on Christmas Day for whom it'll be just a normal day and you'd like me to give them a mention on Christmas morning over on Cork's 96mas, get that message into me before next week uh, pj at 96m.ie just mark your, your message just put it in the top of the subject column at 96mas and I'll store them away and do them over on 96 there They're Saturday from 2 to 6, and then Christmas Eve from 2 to 6, and Christmas Morning from 7 to 10. I know the bit of overtime in December. It is always nice, it is always handy. 0818 96 96 96.
9: Can we just talk?
0: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
1: Text or WhatsApp now 083 396
0: 96, 96 On Courts 96 FM.
4: 0818 96, 96 96 the number to call, text to WhatsApp or drop us a voice note to 083 396 96 96. Send the email, opinion at 96fm.ie. On a brighter note, because a lot of bad news this morning, it's just the nature of the day with that tragedy in Lebanon and the ongoing story of... The homeless and the freezing conditions, and we'll be returning to the housing crisis in just a minute. But I know there's some good news coming. I can't give you the details, but there's some really good news coming from Cork Airport uh, later today. Ryanair doing a big info drop there at one o'clock, and I'm led to believe there'll be some very good news about next summer and routes. Next summer for holidays in 2023. Erling Lingus also supposed to be tacking on some new, uh, some new routes and some new frequencies for next summer. So all good news coming from Cork Airport, which it's great to see them in such a good place at the moment. Back to Lebanon just briefly. PJ government ministers are quick in their PJ and staff. This email begins. They're not my staff. They're the lads behind the window. They're my team. <laughs> staff. Can you imagine if I had called Fergal Barry my staff? Or Eamor? But thank you. Government ministers are quick in their praise of members of the Defence Forces when a tragedy occurs. Defence Force personnel are deployed abroad so that politicians and diplomats can look good among the international community. It's a pity they're so slow to deal with basic concerns of the Defence Forces, like salary, allowances and general working conditions. And that is from Michael. Thank you, Michael. PJ, the Lebanon personnel are heroes now with all the politicians, but last year, when they had issues with accommodation and food, nothing was done for them. My son is in the army. Uh, can, so I can't give you my name appreciate that to both of those messages oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six now we we're reading a piece in uh, Tripund regime about choice based letting uh, Maria O'Sullivan let's talk a bit about choice-based letting because for those of us who thankfully and for the grace of God don't have to use the system, maybe we'd best start by explaining what exactly it is and how it works morning
6: Hi, hi PJ, how are you?
4: Good.
6: How does it um, work? How does choice based lighting work? Uh, well, it's an, an online system uh, where there are houses um, from Cork City Council. Um, they're, they're put up every Wednesday morning and they're up there for a week, and people who are on the housing list can bid on them. So you get the address of the property, the facilities, how many rooms, and um, a link to the location. And, uh, yeah, that's it. You're not um, permitted to go on the location. Um, yeah. So, so you open and, and the website, just,
4: there's a picture of yeah. of a house or an apartment or whatever, and you say, I'd yeah. be interested in that.
6: Yeah, yeah. Right. So you go through, <laughs> like a bit like an Amazon system. You put it in your, your cart, your trolley. And then you have to go through a couple more steps and there there is um, a piece that says, you know, that you know what you're doing and each step you're moving through, um, that you are bidding on this. And if you're offered it, you can't refuse it. You don't get to, get to view it. You can't it get
4: to walk around and look at it.
6: Not unless they offer it to you. And even when they offer it to you, they don't let you look around it until you've accepted it.
4: And how is it decided who they offer it to?
6: I guess it's where you are on the housing list and how long you've been on the housing list. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But, like, I don't think Cork City Council tell people where they're on the housing list anymore. You know, number-wise... Um, I know they do in different parts. I know they do in Dublin, the different areas and stuff. You can actually see where you are okay. in the different areas. You can't actually bid on areas either, like you either bid on the north side or the south side, right. or you put down the north side or the south side. Because you can't um, have a choice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And sometimes you are shown houses in the south side too. So, so what's it's, your yeah. own
4: experience with this system, Maria?
6: Uh, well, recently, well, I've been on the housing list for nine and a half years and I had never been offered anything. And then I, it's like you were saying there, you know, the three paychecks away from being homeless. I yes. got, got into a bit of difficulty during the year and had to, um, was under the threat of homelessness. So I registered with the homeless service and they were great. They were so kind and so nice and everything. Um, and they contacted me on the day I registered and said, oh, there's a four bed uh, you should go on bidding that. So, like, in a panic and with the, the actual threat hanging over my head. And I never kind of bid outside my area before. I bid, I just, I, I kind of blindly bid on it, really. Mm, yeah. You know, Um. I was just under so much stress. And... It an area, uh, in, was it and,
4: an area you knew?
6: No. Okay. No, it wasn't. And as I said, I was blinded by fear and stress and just worry. Um. And uh, so I just did what I was kind of told, and 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 bid on it. And I had never really bid outside my area before. I'd bid on places, but I'd never really bid outside my my area, that I I've been living in for nearly thirty five years. Um, so uh, and then in October they contacted me to well they first of all they kind of asked me like lots of different questions around my income and things like that. But I'd recently just done a housing review because they had done um, up-to-date housing reviews. I think they hadn't done them with COVID happening. So like a housing review is where they go through all your finances um, and um, just to see if you're still uh, qualified to be on the housing list if you're under the income limit. Mm -hmm. So I went through all that and then I kind of got this phone call a week later um, offering saying that, there could be an offer on the table and it was a house I bit on and then she told me where it was and I was kinda of like, Okay, uh you know, um it was an area i h I I don't really know. I don't know anybody living in the area. Um so I was a bit concerned and yeah. uh but I kinda of went through the motions and I talked about it and I said, Okay, maybe I could make it work and then she did say I could go drive around the area I did, it was quite far from school. My kids are in the whale school, and there's no whale schools over there. Um, I, and my daughter is working out in St. Luke's nursing home, and I drive her to work um, every morning mm-hmm. when she's working because um, it's just the bus service is a bit tricky, and she, she also has ADHD, and it's just a bit hard for her to manage herself sure, sure. at the moment. Yeah. So I, I I do that, and I when I kind of sat back and thought about it, I thought this is going to add huge fuel fuel costs. Yes. To me, the house was quite big. I was kind of think it's going to take a lot to heat. I just felt it would be more suitable to a two parent family. Yes. You know, with two incomes coming in. Um, and so I. Uh, I was kind of telling this to the person I was dealing with, and then she kind of said to me, "You know, I think pa- perhaps we should withdraw the offer." I was also trying to get my my paperwork in order at the same time Yeah. because they needed tax clearance cert and so I had to go and pay for that because I hadn't done my tax for this year yet. Um,
4: well, you have to you so have to have a tax clear insert to get a place off CBL, do you?
6: Yes, you do. You have to have all your paperwork, which if you're I'm self-employed. Right. Um, part-time, self-employed, um, as a lactation consultant, and okay. um, well
4: yeah, we've talked before, Maria I think yes,
6: haven't? we have talked before. We only talked a couple of weeks about home, home births. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> So home is very important to me. It's not just you know bricks and mortar. It's um, you know I I really feel that it's it's important that you know if people are being housed they're being housed in areas where their communities are and where their that's, you know, what really builds good communities as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So then she kind of said to me, I think I should withdraw the offer. There's some red flags coming up here. Um, I don't think you'll settle in the area. Something to that extent. But So she, she gave me kind of 24 hours to think about it. So I talked about it and I said, yeah, please go ahead and withdraw. Um, she said she couldn't guarantee that I wouldn't be um, put off the list for a year because that's what happens if you refuse on CBL. Yes. You're, 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 ta- you, you're pushing you can't back bid. the list.
4: You?
6: Well, you're, you can't bid for a year. Yeah. So that means you have no chance of being allocated a home. Yeah. For a whole year, you, you, a year in which the tree page a, check thing could happen again. PJ. I have a
4: picture <laughs> of a letter in front of me here, um, yeah. where it says, "This is a letter sent to you uh, when yeah. a household refuses a reasonable offer by Cork City Council mm-hmm. of the allocation of a bid dwelling under choice based letting. That household shall not, for the period of one year, commencing on the date of such rem- refusal, be entitled to make a further application." Under choice based letting to Cork City Council for the allocation of a bid dwelling. That's all very formal and very mm-hmm. legal sounding, mm-hmm. but effectively mm-hmm. it's a case of take it or leave it, Maria. And if you leave mm-hmm. it, come back to us in a year.
6: Yeah, you're you're punished, and I mean, so many things can happen to you in a year. Like, and I'm in a I'm in um, a, a small house with three children, well my, as I said my eldest daughter she's she's working she has her own room but I'm literally sharing the room with my other two um, who are 8 and 11 now mm. and uh, they're in the school in the area and th- they don't tolerate long car journeys because they're also b- being assessed for um, ADHD mm. so, so, so like this offer they made, like made you difficult.
4: Sorry to go to question. the offer yeah, they made no, you you're fine. When you, when you went and looked at it or checked it out, the offer was unsuitable. It just, yes, nice house and all of that, but doesn't suit us.
6: Yeah. 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 And I, like I don't come across i'm'm I'm, I'm nowhere privileged, as I said, like I'm living in a very too small bedroom house for the last nine years, and I've had many, many happy times here. I'm not saying that, but um, and I don't want to come across as being entitled. but uh, as I said, like I don't feel a house is just bricks and mortar. it's in, it's important that it's uh, you know that you can be in your your community as well. and you know it's very hard to make a choice at such short notice. You know, on living on a place based on that kind of information as well. Like, I mean, I, do the council think that people on the housing list are, are different? They shouldn't be allocated or given the respect of living in a place that they will feel safe and within their community and within where they're supported as well? Like,
4: you're, you're pointing to a number of flaws in, in the system, really.
6: I mean. And I suppose the the other flaw in the system. And as you know me, I'm all about evidence yeah. based based uh, research. And like the research showed, I think there was an article in the Evening Echo back in February, showing that. Um, and and I think um, the in the article Ellie mentioned this as well. That like uh, one third of people have refused have refused. Yeah. Um. Houses on CBL and. I think it started in 2015 or 2017, I'm not sure, but between those times, it seemed to be working. I think it was introduced so people would stop offering because I think before, it was that you could refuse once or once or twice and then you'd have to accept your third offer on the house. Um, So I think there was, back in 2021, there were 60% refusals. So I I mean, like obviously, that this system isn't working.
4: On the grounds that they were... Too far away or unsuitable. Now, you know, mm-hmm. I, I there's a there's a there's a real inequality here, Maria. In that, if you were a person on the market with approval for a mortgage, looking for a place to go, mm-hmm. you could choose mm-hmm. what suited. And if it was in your price range and it suited you, then away with you and happy out. But because yes. of this choice-based letting system, you go into it, you say, "Oh, that looks okay." Like you said, you're under stress at the time. That looks nice, and then. They offer it to you and on reflection actually that doesn't suit me for a B and c reasons I'm sorry about that mm-hmm. I say okay back at the queue for a year that doesn't sound yeah. fair
6: yeah and it's sort of like the house isn't going to be allocated to somebody else like yes and I and I hope there is a, a, a very happy family living in that house now um you know it, it's 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 not going to be left standing there like there been people it, it was a, a really big house like so I'm sure that there people have been allocated it since. But um it's just like it doesn't seem like a system that's working if the if you know if there's more if there's been an increase in refusals and why. So if a system isn't working yeah, then the system needs to be ripped up.
4: If you're to if you listen to what they said themselves back in twenty sixteen that it was mm-hmm. to reduce refusals mm-hmm. or not serious bids. And it's gone from thirteen mm, percent mm. refusal in twenty sixteen to nearly sixty percent last year. So clearly yeah. it's not working, is it?
6: No. No, it doesn't seem to be working. Um, I you know, and I'm very appreciative for you know, for to the council and the housing system and they do house people and they're building houses and everything. Yeah. But I just think this is a very kind of punitive punishment <laughs> practice. Yeah. Um because people's lives can change within a year and anything can happen.
4: Collar is um, saying here to us, what does CBL stand for? Like we said at the start, choice-based letting. But I'm actually thinking, mm-hmm. reflecting on our conversation, Maria, choice is is something of a misnomer. Mm-hmm. Really? Isn't it?
6: Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, like, I don't think, like, um, Cork City Councilor doing any other kind of housing outside of that, everything is done through that. Yeah. So all the, the you know, the the housing associations.
4: Mm. So so are you kind of go through now for the well. next 12 months? I mean, you, you listen. Well, I
6: appealed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I appealed it. And uh, yeah, they said no again. They said, and I, like, usually a refusal is you go down and you sign a letter and you outright refuse it. Yeah. But mine was classed as an unreasonable refusal.
4: Okay. And did you i unreasonable. It was it was done over the phone as well. There's no record of that conversation, is there?
6: No, no there is no record. Right. But I I, I I um I've had good support from local T D in my area and uh, local city as well okay. like so I would have reported it to them kinda of straight away. So yeah. that was kind of my, my record of recording.
4: Well, here's here, look. Thanks so much for giving Maria some airtime. Mm-hmm. Her situation's so unfair. That house she's in. This is clearly someone who knows you. Uh, the uh. house is too small for herself and the kids. If you only saw where they sleep, that's clearly someone who knows you very well. Yeah. Six four six. Mm-hmm. The last three digits of the. Oh, I know who it is too. I know who it is as well. I, own, <laughs> I also know this person. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. So there's a great endorsement of of you. So what are you what are you facing into now? You're like you're in a house that's too small for the family. And are you, are you stuck there now for the next 12 months?
6: Well, I did get allocated a homeless half, but like trying to actually find a house, you know, as a, with the current crisis. Yeah. It'd be difficult. So I'm, I, I just, I just, I don't really have any other choice like a choice.
4: <laughs> the it's, it's opposite of It is. It um,
6: is. Oh, yeah, I don't know if there's any way I can appeal it again or I don't know. It's just um, we're just absurd. Like I mean me, we're 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 happy enough here. It's just
4: <laughs> squashed.
6: We're, we're just completely squashed. And two is, adult, like, two my adults, two adults and yeah.
4: yeah.
6: Yeah, she has a room and, and then I have the, the kids and uh, yeah, it's just hard for my my two younger kids now because they need their own rooms. They need to grow and develop. Yeah, what ages you know, are they again? Eleven and eight. And eight. The youngest was born in the house. Actually, she was uh-huh. born in this house, so you know I have a great love for where I live. Like and uh, but and but, and I've but been living. Are literally, in this they're literally outgrowing it. Like. Oh yeah, literally, <laughs> literally, um, and right. uh, yeah. and like it's just I'd I'd like for them to have their own space. Uh, I don't think that's too much to, to ask. No, not, um, I I work, I you know, I'm working, my daughter's working. Um, I'm not looking for handouts. It's, it's you know, it's just the, the work I do isn't uh, going to bring in a huge amount of money. Mm-hmm. But I do love my work. I work as a lactation consultant, so mm-hmm. I work with families and babies. And um, But it's a fluctuating income because yeah. I'm, I'm in private practice.
4: Yeah. A lot of people grateful so, for your work. that are contacting us this morning and saying, "Oh, she's great at what she does." Yeah, it, it oh does gosh. seem like an, an unfair system, Maria. A good, good to speak. I wish you luck. I don't know what else to say. I mean, you're facing a year ahead. Uh, yeah. You, you. I hope th- come back to me on the appeal. See if they if if they another move
6: appeal. Yeah. 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 Well, I did appeal. Yeah, and they re- and that was the tur- that was the letter you read. That was the turn down letter again. I, I don't know if I can appeal again. I'll go and talk to my local TD, see And my say. local city councillors and see if there's anything else they see can what do they for me.
4: All right, Maria. Thank you very much, and good luck. And uh, have a happy Christmas. Sure, anyway, you have your f- your family around you, and I do. A lot
6: I do, of love and in the they're house all great. And,
4: you know, it's, have a have a, yeah. ha- have a happy Christmas. And here's hope something changes for you, housing wise, in twenty twenty three. And yes, before people i get on the phone and say, she has a house, she should know how lucky she is she does, she does so don't even go there but the point she's making is she's looking around for somewhere else, she saw something she thought might be alright then when she eventually got it or got to see it or got to actually examine it correctly actually, no, lovely house but not for us for, for our own reasons. Lovely house, but not for us. Because of our circumstances. So they say OK, back at the queue now for a year. It doesn't sound fair. It doesn't sound fair. Oh eight one eight ninety-six ninety-six
1: ninety-six. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze Playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday On Cork's 96FM Merry Christmas With your local mace Great value deals for family and friends this Christmas
0: Cork's 96FM
4: Come back to homelessness and other stories uh, a little bit later on But to something really happy now And I mean over the moon happy I was out yesterday in a house in a Model Farm Road um, Where I had my first homemade mince pie of the season. Was, they were baking at the time I was out there. I was out with uh, Sandra Murphy and, uh, and her mom and her brother and her new baby, Charlotte, who's uh, just over four months old now. Now, you'll know Sandra. She was on the telly years ago, The Apprentice. She works for Trigon Hotels. She's very front of house with Trigon Hotels. And she's also heavily involved in local politics. What you may not have known is that for years, uh, Sandra battled with the pain and suffering of endometriosis. We've talked so much about it. When I look back over the last number of years, even five years ago, there was not a third, not a quarter of the amount of talk there is now about endometriosis. Now... It's, been, it's out there, it's identified we know it's a serious problem we know it's underdiagnosed it's undiagnosed the best treatments just aren't here in this country and the suffering that women go through is just I don't know, I don't know how I don't know how they go through it half the time but Sandra had endometriosis for many years, she still has endometriosis but baby Charlotte has come as a remarkable surprise and popped out for a chat and to meet the baby and to t- sample the mince pies. Met with her yesterday. Sandra, you battled with endometriosis for years. When was it diagnosed?
3: From kind of my mid to late 20s, I started suffering with very uh, bad period pain. But to be honest with you, PJ, on the back of every paracetamol box and on the back of every ibuprofen box, it says that the the medicine is there to treat period pain. So I think that you're kind of brought up as a woman to believe that period pain is a perfectly normal thing to experience and so you know I kind of uh, worked away with uh, pain medication to a certain point but it got to the point where I could no longer manage the pain with paracetamol and ibuprofen and the pain level was getting extreme so I went to my GP uh, Dr Nick Flynn and I have to say that You know, there is so much evidence of women around the country and around the world, actually, who are I suppose fobbed off from medics to say that you know that there's nothing that can be done and that pain is completely normal but on my first visit when I said to him that I was finding the pain excruciating that it was impacting my ability to perform at work and to perform daily tasks that he just said to me straight away he said well he said that pain needs to be investigated mm-hmm. and he said I'm going to refer you to a consultant gynaecologist so I went to a consultant gynaecologist who said to me that his initial um question mark would be endometriosis and he said that really the only way to properly diagnose endometriosis is with a laparoscopy. That was done and he used the process of ablation which is kind of like where they burn off the mm. endometriosis and he had said to me then that it was all gone and and that was fine um, and I suppose in, in so many ways though it was great to get a diagnosis then so that there was an explanation behind what the pain was. You know know. what you're
0: dealing
4: with but it also has severe implications.
3: It does and at that time I didn't know a huge amount. This is probably going back now 10 years. So after about a year the pain came back with an absolute vengeance. Mm. So I went back to the GP And I had said to him that I had spoken to a few friends who had gone to a different consultant gynecologist and he referred me there and he removed endometriosis using the ablation process once again. I got relief from that. But then the pain was back. I think it was about a year later again. So it was very short windows of relief when you think about it. So there was a number of different methods then uh, tried. So for example, um, they recommended taking the pill back to back. That works very well for some people. And what it does is it stops the body from having a period and therefore you're not experiencing the Mm. symptoms associated with it. Uh, They also recommended uh, having the coil put in. That was put in for a period of time. But my body just didn't agree with it at all. The next thing that was tried was injections but PJ with all of those whilst there's temporary um, glimmers of light with regards to relief where you kind of can function a little bit normally mm. there's a huge amount of side effects so it was kind of what's worse do you know what I mean like yeah. you know is it the endometriosis or is it the side effects of of the of these treatments You
4: eventually went to the great Dr. Barton Smith of which we've heard so much
3: mm. So I did I uh, contacted a friend of mine who also has endometriosis and she had said to me that she was after having a consultation with Peter Barton Smith he's in the Princess Grace Hospital in London so I went uh, had a consultation with him he uh, said that he could certainly operate. Excision is where you cut out the endometriosis Mm. as opposed to using the ablation process. That's like the gold standard and I was booked in for surgery in January 2019. But, But coming up to that I just have to say that i was at breaking point with regard to living so i was i was really only existing mm. i was going to work i was coming home yeah. um, your,
4: your work is very public you work for a mm, hotel group mm, you're you're out front of house a lot yeah you organize events it yeah. must be very hard to do all that in constant pain
3: yeah i mean the pain i suppose rather than it being constant it was just oh, when i say just when i had a period but pj that's quarter of your life really do you know what I mean it's one week out of every four Um, and coming up to it the symptoms beforehand the exhaustion afterwards so really like the suffering I suppose was all of the time in different scales Um, yeah it was difficult it was extremely difficult and because of all of the treatment I had gone through and because of you know gaining weight and all of that I had lost an awful lot of confidence in myself Mm -hmm. even though on the outside I'm naturally very extroverted and I'm naturally my glass is always half full and I always say listen if your glass is empty, go and fill the jug up yourself. Do you know what I mean? Rather than... so, But yeah, so I went to him and had the surgery. It was a six and a half hour operation. He excised endometriosis. He performed a myomectomy, which is the removal of 11 fibroids. He also operated on my bowel because there was a lot of uh, endometriosis on the bowel.
4: It really messes (laughs) with your insides, this thing, doesn't it?
3: The difficulty with with endometriosis is that it can travel so far. And also the difficulty is that the more surgeries you have, the higher um, predisposed you are to adhesions, which then come with a whole load of other pain yeah. as well. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I had that operation, the recovery period from that was about eight weeks and it was eight weeks of morphine and eight weeks of on the couch. Um, yeah, ha- I had to spend a week in London post surgery because flying is not permitted during that time. And then coming back and resting. But I, I can tell you honestly, once the pain of the surgery was over, it was like my life was beginning and mm. I just felt so much relief. And I could all of a sudden I could sleep really well. Um, I had my energy back. I just felt that the light in me that had been completely dimmed was now back. And, you know, there was there was a whole host of other things going yeah. on at the time. It, it
4: was life altering you know, surgery, really. You got it. You got your life back. But you were told all along the way, weren't you, the chances of you ever conceiving or carrying a child to term?
3: Were no. not. No, no. And I was told What by, were your
4: chances? Did they tell you?
3: They had said to me, three three consultant gynaecologists had said to me, uh, all three had said, just to let you know, you will never conceive naturally. So...
4: It was as blunt as that?
3: It was as blunt as that. and. Was that difficult to hear? 100% it was. Exceptionally difficult to hear. But I suppose, in many ways, PJ, I had made peace with the fact that that was not going to be in my life and that was not going to be a chapter in my book of life and that I was going to be an aunt.
4: And so then, out of the blue, you got the two lines.
3: (laughs) And it wasn't COVID. (laughs) Out, exactly. Listen, I mean, it was a massive surprise, but it was... The greatest possible surprise. So uh, Charlotte, she is now uh, four and a half months, uh, heading for five months. And she is the greatest gift and the greatest joy. And I would certainly say she's a gift from heaven and I think she's a gift from my dad. Um,
4: Your dad passed away in the middle of all of this, didn't
3: he? He did. He passed away in... um, he passed away in 2019 so just right before COVID yeah. um, just right before it started and he was only sick for six weeks he, he got cancer and he died extremely quickly um, and you know I mean look it's very bittersweet because when the people you love don't get to meet Charlotte but you know I know that he's there, he was certainly there in the operating theatre PJ mm. because the consultant obstetrician that I had he said to me this he said in my terms is a miracle pregnancy. So this
4: shouldn't be possible this
3: should not be possible and here she so, is so here she, yeah, here I, she I've
4: is. met her she's gorgeous she's actress. a little
3: doll and she's a lovely little disposition she isn't an ounce of bother she's a great baby and I can't even articulate the level of joy that she has brought she's a
4: bulb off her daddy mind you
3: <laughs> after all my work I didn't get a look in PJ she's now she's changing in moments so sometimes she does look some of, look like some of my nephews but yeah she is she's very like her daddy <laughs>
4: Now look, we're only a few days to Christmas and I know she's too young yet. But Christmas morning, what your first Christmas with, with the baby they thought you couldn't have. You thought you couldn't have. Do you
3: know, PJ, the days at the moment, I haven't been apart from her for a day. Um, and all of these memories, she won't remember them, but we will. Yeah. And I'm now thinking about it. But these are just incredibly important days for us and like I'm literally cherishing every single day I'm pinching myself have I got her spoiled absolutely I have her spoiled <laughs> but mm. she's spoiled with absolute love and, and you know
4: when she's old enough will you, will you tell her that?
3: I'll tell you what I did actually um, so I set up an email account for her Okay. so the email account is only letters from her mummy and I send her letters to tell her how loved she is and how special she is and yes she has that information in an email and when she's old enough she'll get the password and she can open up and she can read her little emails wow that's
4: yeah. that's an incredible way of, of storing the story
3: yeah you know I just think that you sometimes you you may forget moments and you may forget how you feel and I'm sorry for getting emotional thinking it's about okay. it it's, it's, but you know <laughs> I think that to be able to express how we feel at this moment in time, it's really important yeah. for her to get that moment and, and captured back. Because I think as well, because we're living you know, in an iPhone era where maybe we don't print pictures as much as we should. Yeah. So, the pictures that I take actually Colin said to me one day he said um, do you take a picture every day I said I take about 50 pictures every day Colin." <laughs> so she gets the pictures as well mm. so that she can look at time capsules along with memory boxes and, and all of those things because I just feel so grateful every single day you know, and and even though the pregnancy, I suppose I was kind of nervous throughout because I I didn't think that I didn't think that the pregnancy would, yeah. would 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 progress. I suppose. And um, so I remember
4: I, you posting about it on your gram. You were very fearful. Ter- yeah. That this would go wrong. On you.
3: Yeah, I I was and ever I was living from scan to scan, and you know the consultant said to me, this is a this is a very healthy baby, and I just said to him, until she's in my arms, you know, until she's in my arms. And then he said, and even at that, he said, then he said, (laughs) you know, um, but look, I'm just pinching myself with gratitude. I feel so grateful that she's in our lives. I feel so grateful that she got here, um, that the pregnancy, because even during pregnancy, PJ, the fibroids were growing back. Yeah, and, um, and they can cause so many problems um, to an unborn baby and to a pregnancy. Yeah. And, and even, even the consultant, when she, when she came out that morning, the cord was wrapped twice around her neck. So I think my dad was in the theatre to make sure that she got out okay. And she's made of tough stuff. Okay. But uh, I'm thrilled with her. Absolutely thrilled. And,
4: and, and how are you? I mean, is will you always have end or is it?
3: Oh, 100%. Endometriosis doesn't go away. And I think that's a really important factor because, you know, PJ, when I came back from London from my operation, I had people said to me, that's it now, Sandra, no more feeling sorry for yourself now. That's gone. And, you know, I know. And you're kind of and they were a minority. But I said, mm-hmm. trying to explain to people. That when, when someone has a condition like endometriosis, you there is no cure. You never will get rid of it long right. term. And even even by having a hysterectomy, there's no guarantee that that yeah. that, that it's actually fully gone. So, um, what but I you're what good
4: at the moment, things are good at the moment
3: difficulties that the fibroids have grown back during pregnancy yeah. so I'm actually going for a scan in the next few days um, but look I'll be honest with you I had that major surgery um, a few years ago and uh, you know was the suffering and is the suffering worth it you know absolutely and look I'll cope with whatever is thrown at me once once I'm healthy once she's healthy once we're all healthy and family are healthy she,
4: she's sitting over there in her and arms looking as healthy as they come
3: N- and not a bother in her in fairness to her <laughs>
4: Sandra, congratulations. Thank I'm so you. thrilled
0: for you.
3: Thank you very much, PJ. Thanks a million. I appreciate it.
0: Can we just talk the opinion line with PJ Coogan?
1: Text or WhatsApp now. 83 3 96 96 96.
0: On courts 96 FM.
4: Let's just put up some of your correspondence. Um, Sean was on about the homelessness situation he said, I'd love to talk to PJ but I'm at work so I can't I've been in Waterford three weeks ago didn't see as much as one person in a doorway in Waterford but in Patrick Street last Saturday I saw nine people three of them weren't able to communicate they didn't seem to be Irish our government's at fault here we as a country welcome everybody and we know there's a house and rental crisis at present so these people have no choice to take to the streets. I think we're creating a monster that's going to get out of control. That's from Sean. We've been saying all week Sean, you know, we've welcomed in Ukrainian refugees and rightly so. They need our help and they need everything we can do for them. And the same with people coming from other countries. We help them. We do what we can for them. But for some strange reason there doesn't seem to be the same urgency for People who slept in a doorway on Patrick Street last night. It just, I mean, the Simon community is full. They will take you, they will give you, they won't turn you away, but you could well be sleeping under a stairs or on a settee or in the corner on a mattress. That's how jammed they are. On CBL and refusing CBL, Kevin O'Sullivan said the scary part is if you're not on the list, then you can't get housing benefit for the next year. Thanks so much for giving Maria airtime, says Kaz. Her situation is so unfair. The house is far too small for herself and the kids. And someone else uh, said, thanks so much for giving my sister, Maria, airtime. Sister in inverted commas. I'm assuming just great friend. Her situation is so unfair. PJ, my kids are trying to save for a house and they can't afford it. They'd love to be offered a house. Why don't you talk about those hardworking people who can't get on the property ladder. That's from a frustrated mum. That is another discu- another side of the discussion. Tell that lady to contact Cluid Housing. Rents are based on income, and they're building quite a lot of units. Been there and can understand her dilemma. Thanks. And it's a great show. 0818 96 96 96. PJ, why are you giving this woman airtime? She bit in a house... But when she was made an offer, she had to think twice about it. People being able to pick and choose where they want their houses is half the problem. That's why there's derelict houses around the country. It sounds like she wants her house with the white picket fence in her own area. Get a grip. Plenty of us out here can't buy our own home. But here you are wanting to pick and choose your own social home. There's a homelessness crisis. People shouldn't have any choice in where they want to live. Absolutely ridiculous. Boils my blood. Thanks says Richie. Okay.
6: It's Christmas time. Woo!
1: Here your favorite Christmas is
0: 24-7. Listen to Quark's 96mas streaming online now with the Blackpool gift
1: cards. They're the best with so much choice for all the family. Pure shopping, pure Christmas,
0: pure Blackpool. Download our app or see 96fm.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to
1: talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96, 96.
0: Text or WhatsApp 083
1: 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
0: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
1: On Cork's 96FM.
0: 0818
4: 96 96 96 is the number. Text or WhatsApp is 0833 96 96 96. Your email, opinion at 96fm.ie. Best way to catch us out of hours too is at that email. If we're not on the air, that's the best place to start. Opinion at 96fm.ie. Listen to any of our podcasts or the overnight repeat of the show, pick us up there, and we will get back to you as quick as we can. It's been a very big year for my two guests. I, I don't actually think that we've we've actually been in this studio all three of us together at the one time. You've been on the phone, or I've had one of you in, one of you in, or and not and not the other. But sure, you got me. At the end of September, so I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by James Leonard and Timmy Long, the two Narys. Hi
10: How boys, how's it going? Morning PJ, how's the phone? Not Thanks too, for having
4: us. Not too, but delighted, delighted to have you, lads, and del- delighted to be, be able to chat again. It's been some year for the two, the, the podcast, everything has just
10: grown, James it has yeah just before we get going you have a great few here i remember you know back in the day we used to get the number two bus from outside merchants key and was always look over to the right you see the 96 fm sign and the old digital clock so it's great to be up here i know you know it's uh, obviously a historical part of cork but uh, yeah. 2022 has been amazing we started out in january with Mihal martin yes he was the biggest in january with Bessel the cork which was obviously a bit cool for us And kind of give us credibility in the world of psychology and physicians and stuff like that. Yeah. We did the Opera House, which was our flagship notice there. Yeah. It was in February. Yeah. And it just kind of went from strength to strength
4: then. Yeah. I And you're back there in in March again. But I, I remember asking you guys, like, when you are standing there on the stage of the Opera House or behind the stage of the Opera House with this thing that you guys started yeah. And there's a full house. And there like there isn't room to move in there.
9: Mm. Tim. Yeah, it's an amazing fe- feeling, PJ. Um it's it's not something that you could get too used to because <laughs> um even last week we were in there we were just shooting a few videos just for the social media, the um you know, the for the tickets and stuff and it was just that feeling of being up on the stage the first time. Yeah. Back in February came back again, you know, it was like it was nervous and a little bit of fear and and a little bit of imposter syndrome as well, should I even be here you know, but it's an amazing place and that night in the opera house was it was an emotional roller coaster for myself because I had family members there, I had friends there and it it was it was an amazing night in in general for me and James to be able to do something like that you know considering where both of our lives were 10, 11 years ago we were, like the Opera House was something that we just look at where we were walking down the street we never phantoms that we'd ever be up on the stage It's in a, day, good, you
4: know? a good way of putting it and the documentary that was done was the nationwide show that took you right back James, to the start, I know it was very emotional to do that as well, wasn't
10: it? It was, like uh, in that documentary uh, showed where I had my last overdose and my turning point which was the steps between the High House and Blarney Street on Sunday as well, which is actually only about a couple of hundred metres from the Opera House, you know. Yeah. So to sell out the Opera House a couple of hundred metres away from where you've had an overdose, it's like, how like, how far that we've come in, th- in the time that we've had in recovery, and it just goes to show for family members listening that I think that there's no hope for their loved one. If they're alive and they get the right help and the stars align from. They they have unlimited potential, and yeah. that's why me and Timmy are. Uh, no, we're just we're just fulfilling our potential that we always had.
4: Yeah, you always had, but there's the thing: you always had that potential, and you sit there now confidently telling me you're fulfilling the potential that you always had. Mm-hmm. Where was the turning point? Either of you take this one when you realised we have potential, we can do something like this.
9: I suppose, I suppose you always believed that there's some potential there. Mm-hmm. Within, you, within yourself but because there's so many different obstacles, you the drug addiction the alcoholism the, the, the involvement in crime and criminality you know, the court cases the, and, and even the, the, the life that that comes with that that potential is really at the bottom of the barrel you know mm. and I suppose once you do all the things in recovery in terms of the psychotherapy the counselling The 12 steps, going to your meetings, talking to other people that are in recovery and being able to relate what's going on for them. That stuff comes up. It gets bigger from the bottom of the barrel and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you start believing in yourself a little bit more every time. And that's what's happened for us. You know, I went from somebody from the first podcast that I was completely caught up in so much fear, you know, that... It consumed me for weeks and weeks and weeks. Mm. But now it's like, this is what we do. I understand the benefits of it. We get so many different messages from people telling us how people on our show have helped them, or we have helped them through mm. our own journeys. And, and that, in its own right, is, is is the most important thing for me and James, you know, for any human being, just to know that they're doing something that is helping another human being to continue in their own life and flourish
4: Mm. Now we will come back to that and come back to some of the people that you've talked to during the year, like you said, you had Mm. Micheál Martin and you've had many more I managed to grab an hour in there myself and enjoyed myself by the way, I had a great time and a great response to it, very happy Um, So the show in March now Jimmy Barry Murphy, why JBM?
10: Because he's like the the iconic cock figure. He's up there with Roy Keane, Jack Lynch, and all these other people, you know. So, uh, Jimmy Barry Murphy. Plus, you'd find it very hard to find an in depth interview with Jimmy where he's not being interviewed directly after a match about, you know, a specific thing. Mm. So this would be a general, long-form conversation, and it'll be very interesting to see what the man is actually like, where he grew up, so what makes him tick and stuff like that. The second guest we have then is Shane Casey. Um, oh, yeah. So,
9: Billy. Yeah, so that's, Billy an ex- that's an
10: exclusive no PJ. Yeah? You can uh, you can hear us after for that, but no. <laughs> like pu- Again, pure cock. And he has a persona through his acting and stuff like that, but we'll get to know the real chain. Yeah. Do you know, and there's an interesting very, story Very, very yeah. different
4: people. Yeah. Mm. Very different people, yeah. Yeah,
10: exactly. But you've, you've you've a good mix of sport, emotion, a bit of crack, do you know, and uh there's something for everybody.
4: Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's in March on the twenty fifth, a Saturday night. Yeah. Selling already?
10: Absolutely, absolutely. And we'd love a good push now before Christmas. A good mm-hmm. Christmas present. And you know, as well, what we're finding over the years, it's like, uh, you know, if, if you're interested in, let's say you're a woman and you're interested in the podcast and the personal development aspects, have a bring along your partner because you know, he might learn something or you might tweak something, it might make him a better partner, he might, might make him more self aware mm-hmm. and, and vice versa, you know. So, um, great Christmas present, you know yourself.
4: Have you been in the studios? <laughs> With you and yeah. and and you're here in this studio today. You, you we're on your own. It's it's just the three of us, yeah. and however many thousand are listening. But you're there on the stage at the opera house, Timmy, around the table or on couches with Jimmy and Billy, mm. and they're out there looking at you. Does that make it harder to get stuck into a, an in-depth conversation?
9: At the beginning, it, for me, it does. At the beginning, I'm like the the emotions and the, f- the sensations of my body are are at the forefront of, of everything that's going on for me and after a while, you know, I start getting into the conversation and then, then it just becomes like it is down in the studio that we're just having a three way conversation and everybody else is just like the fourth man in the room mm-hmm. and they're part of the conversation as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it so connected. the whole thing it's everybody in the room can feel the energy that's going on on the stage as well Pat
10: Felby said to me afterwards you couldn't believe the silence Uh. in a packed Mm. theatre for me then in the live show I think that because people are paying money to come out and give up their Saturday night to view you that we have to give them something more than a regular podcast so for me it there's a bit of a performance there as well the one liners are flowing you want to make it funny you want to have a laugh you want to drive the emotion of it so it is a lot different then there's a whole production value there's lighting sound there's video and images uh, cast up on the stage as well that sparks memories and we'll do a and a piece get it interactive as well so uh, it's 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 replicating the podcast sport like adding bells and whistles onto it. Mm.
4: Things that she never dreamed of doing as young lads.
9: Now she's as, as a young lad I was so shy, you know I, I wouldn't have been able to I yeah. I struggled really as a young lad with shyness and uh, confidence and self esteem. Uh, but no, I think um what it shows me and and why I'm so vocal about it is that if we feel that we, we are one way in our lives, that mm. can be completely changed. You can go from a shy person to somebody that's not shy. Mm. You know, it just takes a little bit of work. Some people are born like that and they're confident and mm. they go through life confident. Some people are shy and they mm. go through their life shy. But it doesn't have to be that way all the time. And I've learned that from my own experience in life. And now I am a little more confident than I was at the start and then just growing and growing and growing mm. and every podcast and every live show and every talk that we do. And that's and that's so important as well to understand mm. that it's okay to feel a little bit of anxiety or a, bit, a few nerves or a bit of fear, but that actually helps you to be grounded and it helps you to be more humble of, of mm. who you are and what you're doing there, you know?
4: And you both... Still a bit of a work in progress,
9: of course. Yeah, I think I don't think there's anything not in a working process. I think everything can be tweaked in one way or another, you know. But myself and James, we still have our full time jobs. Mm. We've families. We've we've a lot of other stuff going on outside that, and what we're able to give the podcast like is everything outside of that, you know. Mm. And it's like sometimes we're scraping. For time for ourselves, and, you know, and so we're, we're still in recovery
10: you... as well. So, yeah. like, we don't get a certificate one day and say you're recovered. No, James, go on about your day. Let
9: me let
4: me focus on that. Do you want to I'll take a commercial break? And I want okay. to come right back at that point because I would forget that mm. anybody would forget that you are both still in recovery and talk a little bit about that and we'll talk about people who are in recovery coming up to Christmas and I want to talk a little bit about people like you said you know it doesn't have to be this way things can change come to that and more in just a couple of minutes I'm talking to the two Naris.
1: we're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM Christmas Christmas with your local mace making your Christmas extra special with festive offers
0: Cork loves the arts. We do too.
1: That's why we bring you The
0: Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96FM.
1: Hi, it's Elmery. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them.
0: The Arts House. Sunday
1: mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home.
4: Cork. 96 FM. So talking to the two guys, this is actually... I, we've never actually had the three of us in this studio before, so it's great to have James and, and, and Timmy with me. And you made the point, James, before the break, with all the success, the podcast, the set-out shows, you know, the, the prominence that's out there now, it's it's easy to forget for the public that you both did in recovery. But you can't forget that ever, can you?
10: No, no, I like with all the positivity, you know, through twenty twenty two we've had a lot of awards as well, you know, and accolades and we get positive attention all the time. Um you have to keep your feet in the ground because mm-hmm. in the end of the day if you get carried away with it you'll fall flat in your face. And as Timmy said before the break, like we work full time, we have families, we've pressures outside of everything else and but we're in recovery. So like if if you don't look after recovery, the rest of it will fall apart. And that's what I would say to anybody that's in recovery, um, you neglect that at your peril. Now recently I went back into therapy myself uh, just to help me navigate a difficult time in my life. That's Mm. not related to anything that I would speak about on air, but it's still like... As I said earlier, I never got a certificate to say I'm recovered, one about your business. And I think even if you're not in recovery, if you're going through a difficult time in your life or significant stressors, there's no harm doing some personal development. It doesn't have to go into the depths of your childhood, but it'll just help you navigate that Mm. for maybe six to ten weeks or something and Mm. come out the other end of it. So that's where Mm. we're at at the moment. And, and, and,
4: you know, keeping the sobriety, staying clean, Mm. is that... Is that something that you have to think about day-to-day, Jim, or Timmy, or does it just... Is it part of every day?
9: It's part of every day, because you don't know what a day is going to bring for you. If a day brings some difficult challenges for me, you know, emotionally, or, or different stuff going on in my life, my initial thought will be, I come on, we go and we get a drink there, or we get a drugs, or whatever, you know, to just be able does to... Does that boy still... Oh, yeah it's still there, it'll always be there, thankfully, you know, because that's the, my reminder that this thing will, it, it, this thing can come back to me at any stage my, in my life, even if I've, I, like, recently there, I one or two things going on in my life, you know, and I just kind of said to myself, well, like, let me just go to the pub, you know, but I was able to catch mm. that thought and, 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 and understand that it was just a thought, mm. and that thought is there because, for th- for for twenty years, I, I I I used alcohol and drugs to be able to soothe myself and and to escape mm. feelings and emotions and to run away from thoughts. So with 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 just understanding that these are thoughts, mm. and the minute you become aware of it, that's your job done, and you can kind of leave it at that, mm. and then do what you have to do and just maybe pick up the phone and talk to somebody, maybe mm. a sponsor, maybe somebody that's in recovery as well and mm. just tell them what's going on for you because the minute you start talking about it, you have it because the later person on that phone will tell you, do you know, it's, it's all right, you mm. know, it doesn't have to be like that last grand, just go home mm. and just... Mm-hmm sit with it and, and, and you'll be fine. That's a very important factor in recovery. Is Christmas hard in
4: recovery? I know there's loads of people listening to us now with eight or nine days to Christmas and looking forward to family being around, mm. a bit of partying, a few drinks, you know, whatever. But there are some who maybe are in their first Christmas, clean and sober, their first dry Christmas, mm. maybe of their life, maybe for years, and they, they're they afraid, James. Yeah.
10: Is Christmas a struggle? It, Christmas is the hardest time of the year, I think, for people in early recovery especially. And what I would suggest or maybe advise would be, you know, throughout the year outside of Christmas, when things are going well for you, you don't then take a break from your recovery, stop doing the things that got you to there. So if you were doing counselling or meditation or meetings or 12 steps or whatever, you, d- you don't take a break from that. When you're doing well, you still do that because you're depositing all that in the bank. Because when times get tough and Christmas can be that tough time that you're gonna have some bit of substance behind you to help you navigate it. It's when you don't do the basic stuff like your meetings, therapy or whatever, and then you have a tough Christmas, you fall flat in your face, you know. Mm. It's important as well. Like Christmas can be difficult for people not in recovery if you're around family members or family dynamics and can bring up a lot for people. Uh, for people in recovery, they might be going back home, there might be, you know, a history there from childhood or alcohol or there might be resentment or whatever it's it's what Timmy spoke about there is the escape and you might fool yourself into thinking I can't cope with this if I drink I'll escape it but we'll be coming into January and January's a difficult month and you don't want to come in with the like after letting yourself down you know so there's meetings and supports around all Christmas you know the Two podcast will be around the Christmas you'll get an A meeting and an A meeting any day of the week Um, so it's just about minding yourself and as Timmy said reaching out and having good people around you Do you find yourself minding each other sometimes? Yeah of course, like Timmy minds me more. They you know, uh, <laughs>
9: Do you know what? Listen, listen. It's, 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 sometimes it can be like a marriage. <laughs> you, don't, <laughs> you don't always get on. That's, you know? that's a sight I can't you even see yet. <laughs> you, you get me, though. I um, do, yeah. do you know? It's it's. Listen, we we both really really have a lot going on in our lives and. and it's very important that we understand that as well with each other, and, and I think it works. It works well, Do you know. We we kind of understand when the other kind of needs a bit of space, you know. Mm-hmm. But listen, PJ, it's two and a half years now, and it it, it, it does take time to get to know people. Don't it, James? Mm-hmm. It, it takes time to get to know people and how we work, you know, because we also have to understand around each other that we have so much stuff going on you know I'm doing the Masters at the moment and James have a lot of different things going on in his personal life you know but at the end of the day like it's we get stronger and stronger and stronger then as well as as we go, go along like any former relationship mm.
10: yeah yeah. Uh, but you always look out for each other as well mm. and uh, Timmy spoke a while ago about you know the first podcast where he was you not know, full of fear mm. and stuff like that but I went seen. back
4: and looked I went back and looked at it actually yeah. mm.
10: but if you look at him now different man yeah. and we have podcast coming up now on Saturday with Minister Michael McGrath so if you look at Timmy's first episode to that you can see a transformation in his confidence his communication skills his awareness yeah. around social issues I think I had a head start because my background in social sciences and sociology mm-hmm. and that's the type of stuff we generally talk about whereas Timmy's in construction but I think the confidence in Timmy over and I think then I find, uh, more often if there's a bit of doubt setting in around that we doing the right thing it's probably me and then Timmy kind Reassures me, look, we'll get through it, we we'll get through
4: it. Let's talk for a couple of minutes about the problems around us. And we've spent most of this week talking about homelessness and the fact that there are people in this weather mm. sleeping in the doorway of Debenham's, hur- cur- you know, curled up in, 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 in duvets. And you touched on something very important a while ago, Tim. They believe that's all that's there for them, they believe that that is their future. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't have to be. How do we start that person? First of all, to believe that.
9: You have to, you have to let them know that you're there for them, you know, and, and, and what I mean by that is we have to. There's organisations out there that are completely bombarded <laughs> with, 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 with people asking for help, and, and, you know, they're probably at their limits, but we need more done. We have buildings all, ro- all over. All over the city, idle. Mm. You walk into the town; there, there's buildings everywhere, and they're idle. And I mean big, big buildings. Mm. You know, why is why is not a few hundred thousand or, or a few million not put aside in any form of budget? No, we're not blaming anybody for anything. But mm. we, if if we are to stop problems like this within the city, you know, and get people into safe, clean, warm. Facilities where they can put their head down at night without the fear of being attacked or whatever else, you know, are God knows what goes on in the streets. Mm. Um, we need to do it, you know, we mm. need to do it. We need to put the money into these areas instead of spending money on ridiculous, silly, silly things mm. that don't even need to be done, yeah. that may have been done five years ago. And, yeah. and,
4: and talk to people, I think, like yourselves and like... More, talk more to the Simon community. Talk more to Katina Toomey. Talk more to those those sorts of, of, of people. Jim, I took a heartbreaking call this morning from a woman who met an old school friend and he's sleeping in a the doorway. They were close pals. They were tight mm-hmm. in school. And he looked at her and recognised her. And... She was kind of saying there, but for the grace there, but for the grace of God, go any of us,
10: isn't that the case? Yeah, and when you think about it, like in sp- it's a basic psychology theory that you can't address your education needs or your relationship needs or your employment needs if you don't know if your basic needs aren't being met. So if you if you if you're living in a precarious living situation, or you haven't got heat, warmth, or shelter, how then can you look at um, improving your life through employment and education and training? So like you. you you can't give somebody belief that's sleeping in a doorway if you've no apartment for them to go into, do you know. And like the night light and stuff like that at the Simon and uh, th- that's emergency, like that's not that's not an option, do you know. Yeah. So like uh, when I came out of treatment in 2013, we didn't really have this situation. I went into a recovery house, belonged to the Simon, I had somewhere to go. My basic needs were met from that safe base I could then do my education and you know so on to get to where I am today when Timmy came out of prison and he was in early recovery he could go to a home you know a council house we were all raised in council houses and you have a safe base where you can then go on and build your life and break the cycle but the problem today is people don't have a safe base from where they can kind of move up the hierarchy and address the different needs so like we have to zoom out and look at it from macro level as well. And uh, I just, I fail to see where it's going to end because it's just getting worse and worse. Yeah, it's getting worse.
4: You said that this week's episode is with uh, Minister Michael McGrath. He's speak will a lot be, about this. He'll be Minister for Finance yeah. after the weekend. And I don't want to give uh, to give me any spoilers, but did you go into this with
10: him? He basically said that it's not that there's a lack of money. There's a lot of money in the government at the mm. moment. Like, we are a very rich country. We were the best performing economy in the EU... Last week we got five billion in corporation tax for the month of October or November. It's the other obstacles in the way, of planning objections and different kind of red tape, and that's the focus now for government. I think going forward is we have all this capital for investment, but does other blocks? And I think in a housing crisis like what we have today, you have to. F- fast track those blocks mm. and kind of come in and kind of supersede it mm. because human rights does there's, there's different, does there's property rights and there's all these other rights but some rights should take priority and mm. people's right to housing I think should be at the top.
9: And that's exactly what we, we did say to Michael on the day of the podcast we, we said you have to fast track these issues mm. like, because people are going to die in this cold yeah. You know, people are going to die in the, in the cold mm-hmm. that we have at the moment because it's, I think there are temperatures that we haven't seen for a long, long time. No, no. So
4: it's um, Jimmy Barry Murphy, and you've just said this morning, Billy Murphy. Yeah. Shane <laughs> Casey, Casey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, In in March twenty fifth at the at the Opera House, tickets are available now from the Opera House. I, you caught me rotten the night you <laughs> interviewed my, boss, asking me about my the, the best guests I'd had, and I gave you a few. Yeah. So to both of you before I let you go the best guests you've ever had and the one that is there a one that got away or the one that you haven't had yet James
10: well I'll answer the one that got away when I was on the Tommy Ternan show I got a phone call a few weeks later from the producer James there's somebody there looking for your contact details but due to GDPR I have to ask you I said who is it President Michael Higgins so I got a phone call from President Michael Higgins secretary offering us up for dinner in the Oris get away and then we went into level 5 Lockdown, and I heard no more. So that's the one that got away. Um, my favourite one—I'm uh, not going to say my wife because that's obvious. I really enjoyed Doctor Gabriel Mathe because it was a big coup for us. He's a, it since then. He's been on um, Joe Rogan and all these other big yeah. ones. We James O'Brien it. had him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, you guys had him first. We did. We An did. Amazing character. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. such a humble man I had and a mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, that'd be my stand one. Okay.
9: Um, Last week we had uh, we had a deaf man, Dr. John Conahan, on the podcast, and even just the way I felt sitting inside in the studio for that, like it was just the first, and I'd never seen anything like that being done before. We had two interpreters inside in the room, Mm. and we had John, and it was like we really, really had to be very mindful of of the way we were feeding back, Mm. you know, because there was one interpreter, you know. Signing for John, what we what myself and James were saying, and then there was another one voicing back what he was, he was doing the sign language for, and it yeah. was it just blew me away. And to listen to his story as well, and, and to hear how it was from growing up and, and what mm. he's doing now, mm. I was completely, completely inspired and, and motivated by and
4: yeah. Have you won that got away?
9: Um, I won't say that they got away, they're still we're still chasing them down, it's definitely Roy Keane. Really? Yeah, of I think
4: that'd be fascinating. Of, of course, yeah. That would be fascinating. Um yeah. so just before I let you go lads one question's come in while we're talking uh, can you please ask the lads if you have a family member in early recovery should you keep alcohol out of the house at christmas?
9: Yeah. Well you know that's a that's that's a question that yeah. you have to ask yourself really, yeah. you know myself and James. Um, we could tell you no, we could tell you yes but hide it or whatever else but like, if someone's in early recovery what you need to be really mindful of there is, is just letting them know that you're there for more of the Christmas, you're talking mm-hmm. to them no arguing, don't mm-hmm. argue with them yeah. you know, or for no reason, don't argue because an argument could be the basis of them going out that door mm-hmm. and giving them the reason for going away and having a drink, just I w- them
10: off I would say if you're trying to stay away from chocolate, P.J you clear the cupboard, right, mm-hmm. so you make it harder. I think that we bring that principle into the into the home for people in recovery as well. It's safe or not to have it there. Okay. Uh, great that the
4: two... N- <laughs> I love this. Great that the two Norries aren't talking with that ridiculous American twang a lot of media people are putting on. I don't even know that. they not dig me, but great, lads. Uh, great listening to the two Norries, a great inspiration to All In Recovery. Could listen to the boys for hours. level headed normal, straight talking, no fluff. And you know what? I think that that is part of your success. I know that the show will sell out in March. I know the podcast will go from strength to strength. We... Three, we'll talk again.
9: Thank you. Thanks, thanks you.
4: Have a wonderful Christmas, you and your families. Likewise,
10: and thanks, and happy Christmas to the people of Cork. Cheers. Can we just
0: talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818
1: 96, 96, 96.
0: On Courts 96 FM. They're more
4: wise and educated than the people running the country because they understand the way things really are. That's the only way you can solve problems. That's a message uh, responding to the two naris Two wonderful lads. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful lads. Um, now we have uh, some sad news. The Defence Forces have released a statement... In the last half an hour, and we were asking earlier on this morning, we were asking Minister Simon Coveney if there was a a connection uh, to Cork or indeed to Collins Barracks. And sadly, I have to tell you that there is. The young man who was injured, seriously injured, critically injured, and is still in a serious condition, has been named as Private Shane Carney who joined the Defence Forces in October of 2018. He's based with the Cavalry Squadron in Collins' Barracks, previously served overseas with the 117th Infantry at Unifil. for this is his second tour of duty. He's 22 and a native of Killa. And our thoughts are with him and his family. Indeed, Killa GAA have issued a tweet this morning saying there'll be a church service in Killa for our club member, Shane Kearney who was injured in the Lebanon last night while on peacekeeping duty. Support is greatly appreciated. So our thoughts with everyone who knows Shane Kearney. He had surgery overnight. He's in a critical condition, but getting the best care that anyone can get. We're thinking of him and his family and everyone who knows and loves him today. We also think of the people of Newtown Cunningham in County Donegal, because they will be mourning the death of Private Sean Rooney who joined the Defence Forces in March of 2019 uh, based in Dundalk uh, served overseas also previously in Lebanon, he was 23 years old uh, from Newtown Cunningham in County Donegal so Private Rooney uh, died last night and Private Carney is recovering, critically ill but hopefully recovering in hospital just wanted to bring you that that news. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Come back to housing briefly. Um, this is quite a long one. PJ, just referring to all those narrow-minded comments about being grateful for a social house. Oh yes, we got some of those. As you already know, my house is completely riddled with mice from my next-door neighbour. Oh yes, we spoke before. There's not even room for a dining table for my children to do their homework or eat their dinner off it. I can't fit a waste bin in my kitchen. Half my cupboard doors won't open. If I need to clean the fridge, I have to plug it out and drag it out into the living room area. The door won't open properly in the kitchen. We've only a small downstairs toilet. It's a health hazard. The stairs is tiny. My daughter broke her femur when she was 14 months old. We've no room for wardrobes. I could go on and on about how unsuitable this house is, but I'd be here for days. I'm so grateful my children have a roof over their heads. And yes, it is a council house, but just because we can't get a house doesn't mean we aren't allowed to complain about the unsuitability of the one we have. The system doesn't care, and half the time they're just allocating houses to people. They don't care if it's suitable or not. To those narrow-minded people, come and live a day in my house. Experience the struggle of my daily life in a house that I'm supposed to absolutely love because I was apparently handed it. I can assure you your mindset will change pretty quickly. Can I also add about the choice based letting system? I'm not sure if people realize this, but a lot of the houses you bid for online only have one photo. My experience with the house is it had one picture of the outside, no idea of what's Inside is the one she's in just now. So in a way, you're being blindsided on some of these properties. My house is apparently three-bedroomed, but it was built as a two-bed, and the council decided to put up a partition wall in one of the rooms. They never took into consideration, though, the size of the living space to cater for a three-bed. I hope it makes sense. Basically, it's a two-bed house, and that is from Angela. Wow. Whoa. That certainly answers a few of the comments we were getting in before 11. 0818 96, 96, 96 I mentioned, happier note again, I mentioned that I had my first homemade mince pie of the season uh, yesterday. And very nice it was too, by the way, Phil. Very nice it was indeed. Do people bake as much as they used to for Christmas or do they just go and buy? Let us talk to David Matthews. He's the development baker at The Pavilion in Ballygarvan, um, do people bake a lot for the Christmas, or do they go out and buy from shops? David, morning,
2: morning, morning, PJ. And uh, you know what? I think uh, we're going back to basics again. Me, um, uh, I think after the lockdowns and what have you, people have started baking again. So it's uh, it's great. It's refreshing to see and people asking us for recipes. It's great. Like mm. it's uh, it's it's a change around. It's a turnaround because we were. Everybody went and bought everything. And now, do you know, it's, it's, we're,
4: we actually are going back to source, like. I mean, yeah, yeah, during the lockdown when we couldn't go out, I thought myself if I saw another slice of banana bread, I would throw it at someone. <laughs> but, but at the same time, we did. My my, my, my daughter did a lot of baking during lockdown. So for Christmas, I mean, everyone looks, I'm be very partial to a mince pie. But I would not oh. know the first thing about baking one. For a simple thing. Do you know what?
2: Do you know what? They're very, very simple to make. Um, we make our own here, you know. Um, like, like everybody else does as well. But uh, we actually make our own filling as well. So it's, uh, it's a little bit different, you know. Mm. We uh, we had all sorts here. So it's uh, the, we, we get good feedback. We get great feedback, in fact. Um, uh, we had a couple of old ladies in last week. And uh, they said that they made the best mince pies, and then the tasted that was and said, Do you know what, we don't make the best mince pies, so that's that's a good that's a good thing to have, like. Okay.
4: For the Christmas desserts. Give us a yeah. few simple ideas.
2: Right. For um what a very, very quick and simple, um if you if you want to get away from the richness. And you get, want to get away from uh, lying down for half an hour of sleep afterwards. Uh, <laughs> I've come up with it um, uh, at home. I tried things out at home first before I bring them into production. So um, it's a crunchy vegan chocolate mousse. Um, so what it is, it's uh, you mix a couple of bananas, a couple of avocados, a little bit of water, cocoa powder a little bit of um, maple syrup. Mm. Whip it all together in your blender, if you have a blender or a whisk. Whisk it all together. Mash it up and then whisk it up. And then then uh, un- underneath that, I, uh, what I do is I toast off some oats, some coconut, some walnuts, coconut oil, and uh, a little bit of um, maple syrup again. Toast it off for about 10 minutes in the oven. Smash that up when it comes out the oven. Put it in a glass, a posh, the poshest glass you've got. Mm. And then scoop on your um, chocolate topping. And it doesn't need to set. It's uh, You can eat it straight away. So it's quick, it's easy, and kids can
4: do it, you know? Yeah, and they will, and they'll, they'll have fun with that break. Well, thing. do you
2: know what? They, when you taste it, you would never, ever know. Like, you know, like when we talk about vegan, I, I know how I see people's faces drop sometimes, you know? <laughs> I say that, and they're not. Do you know me too? Me too, I was the same. Do you know, it took me years to get my head around it. But um, it's. it's Absolutely sensational! It's like the best angel delight you've ever had. You know, you would never know. Is it as
4: light as that? Yeah, it's that light.
2: It's that light. It's, that light. it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Hmm.
4: What about profiteroles? I'm partial profiteroles, to profiteroles.
2: Do you know what? Do you know what? Um, the profiteroles are another simple. People are afraid of it. You know, they say, "Oh no, they're, they're too complicated." Three ingredients in profiteroles: butter, flour. An egg, that's it, and a little bit of water, that's it. Four ingredients actually, and you, it's you, you, you boil up, boil up your water, add your butter, boil it right up, add your flour, mix it till it to, to a thick paste, mm. throw it in your mixer, let it mix it slowly, let it cool down, add your egg, off you go. Ten minutes, whip it up, and then uh, pipe little little bulbs onto a tray, yeah. into the oven. Twenty minutes. Don't open the door. Never open the door. They're like Yorkshire puddings. Never open the door on a profiterole. <laughs> and then, you know, the most simple the, sim- the most simple chocolate sauce you can ever make, anybody can make it, and everybody that tastes it, they go, oh, my God, what's in that? And all it is is a, a boil-up fresh cream, a little bit of sugar, vanilla pod, boil it up, pour it over a bar of chocolate, leave it for about 10 minutes, mix it with a fork, and it's ready to pour. That's it. That's how simple it is. Yeah.
4: You wouldn't melt the chocolate into it. Just pour it over.
2: Pour, mix it. Make pour your boiled cream over your chocolate. Let it just sit there for ten minutes. Let it absorb into the chocolate, and then it the, the, it does the work for you. Do you know? You just stir it after ten saying, minutes. What that old saying,
4: David? Boil is to spoil. We were always told. No. The reason you boil it, the the reason you boil
2: cream, uh, it kills all the bacteria off. Um, but it, 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 it's it's the most simple, and it's it's absolutely fantastic. It's absolutely you would. when people taste it they would it, it it tastes complicated and it's not.
4: Cool. Come here, that's a fine Geordie accent. How long are you in Cork though? Uh twenty years. <laughs> no. I get away from it. <laughs> no,
2: I've uh, I'm in Ireland twenty years, but I married the last from in the shannon, so uh I'm a life, I know, you know.
4: <laughs> I was expecting you to say six months with the
2: accident. Anyway, <laughs> I left Newcastle 25 years ago to see the world, and this is as far as I got, cool 45 minutes yeah, on an aeroplane.
4: There's a, there's a few people like that. There's A, a pal of mine is a, is a butcher, and he, he came over for three weeks, 28 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I tell you, no better place. It's a great little country. Isn't it just, for all the problems we have, it is a great yeah, little you know country. What?
2: I know the luxury problems, the luxury ones.
4: That's a good way of looking at it. David Matthews, development baker with the Pavilion in ballygarvan A serious place to go for a nosh, I can tell you. And plenty more besides. That's it for today, programme edited by Imro Hey, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow, just after nine.
1: We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after midday on Cork's 96 FM. Happy
6: Holidays. With your local maze. Savings with a smile. All through the Christmas season.